Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Okay, so if you're taking notes, I want you to write at the top of your paper, Colour 2012, a revolution of peace, write that on your um, notes and then write these words, Sila, baby, Sila. Okay, Sila, baby, Sila. So again, for those joining us on you on the page, and there always are, you know, allow me just to give you a tiny bit of history as we launch into this weekend. This is our 16th year. So for those of you new joining us, this is our 16th year of colour, our 16th year of gathering like this. 16 years of growing in a revelation of value. You know, the... The bottom line, the language over this conference is a conference that places value upon womanhood in order that she might rise up and place value upon humanity. That is the bottom line. So for the past 16 years, we've been growing in this revelation about value in Jesus' name. It's been 16 years of us seeking to be faithful with an invitation to make the world a better place an invitation to make the world a better place. At the end of the day, this is again what this conference is about. It is a simple invitation to gather and believe that by the grace of God, we can make the world a better place. It's no more complicated than that. And it's always been an invitation. And you know, not everybody buys into an invitation. Not everybody leans in. Many have come, lent in, and realised, uh-oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't feel that I'm capable. I don't feel strong enough. I don't know that I even want to change the world. I can barely change my own world. And so some have lent in and lent out again. And so what this environment gathers is women, in essence, who lean in and go, you know what? I believe that I can make a difference in the world. So for the past 16 years, we've been growing in, that, in faithfulness to believe that we can make a difference. It's been 16 years. This is our 16th year of a whisper <laughs> growing by the grace of God into a shout. And that language should be very familiar to many of you if you've been around us for any length of time. 16 years where a whisper, a God whisper has grown into a shout that is rising up and resonating up and out of multiplied thousands of women across the earth. It's not a literal shout necessarily, but it is a song, it is a, an understanding, it is a revelation that God is in our lives, amen? So 16 years of that. Over the past 16 years, many of us I believe, have gone from timidity to tenacity. We've grown in the past 16 years. Would any of you out there agree that in the past number of years, you have grown in your courage? Amen? Many of us have been timid and shy and what have you. And you know, by the grace of God, we have stepped up to certain lines. And not only that, but we have stepped across certain lines. And our timid hearts have become tenacious hearts in Jesus' Name. You know. In the past 16 years, we've gone from a handful to a host, a handful of girls desiring to be the change to literally a host of women on the earth who are being the change. 
And you know, Psalm 68, as many of you know, hello, praise the Lord, you know, is a Messianic Psalm. And it's in feminine context, according to the scribes of Israel, apparently, someone told me. And it says, the Lord gives the word of power. The women who bear it, carry it, publish it, are a great host. And so over these past 16 years, we've grown. We've grown from a handful to a host. And on occasion, the host gathers like it has here tonight or down in the city or you know wherever there are great gatherings across the earth. But for the most part, that host scatters and breaks up and we go to our little homes and places near and far in Jesus' Name. I believe in this past 16 years, our compassionate and our courageous hearts have been awakened. They've been awakened and stirred and moved and I believe given direction. In the past 16 years, the troops, the troops spoken prophetically in Micah 4 and 5 have have gathered again and again and again. And if you don't understand that language, you're gonna have to talk to someone. But you know, a a troop by definition is a military unit within an army. And God likens His church and His body to an army on the earth. And I believe what God is doing amongst His daughters is like a troop. In Micah chapter four and five, the context is the latter days. The context is the house of God being so magnificent that they line up around the block, that they you know, pour into the house of God. The context is the church labouring to bring forth what is within her. The context is a harvest. And then in chapter five, it says, now gather the daughters and troops, O daughter of troops. A siege has been placed against humanity and we need to pay attention. And so over these 16 years, the troops have gathered many, many times. And you know what? The still small voice of God's Spirit, the still small voice of God's Spirit that hovers over us. Isaiah 61, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because He has anointed us to heal the brokenhearted, to bring sight to the blind, to set at liberty the captive, to proclaim the acceptable day of our God. Do you know what? The still small voice of God's Spirit still remains. And I wanna tell you girls that all the verses and all the languages and all the language and the beautiful sentences that have framed the past 16 years still remain. They still remain in our lives. And you know, last year I felt to put certain language over this gathering, a revolution of peace, because I really felt that as you know, a company of believers in the body of Christ at such a time as this, we are entering the most complex of days. We are entering uncertain, d- difficult, dark days. And you know what? We individually need to have a, re- a revelation of who our peace is. We need to have a revelation of who the Prince of Peace is in our lives. And so I put that language over it so that we might hover here and take focus about who the Prince of Peace is in our lives. And not only that, that we would be up, that we would be up for becoming an oasis of peace in a world gone mad. So that is my mentality behind all of this. And tonight I asked you to write Selah, baby Selah across your notes because this is what is in my spirit for tonight. So this evening, by the grace of God, I wanna put three things on the table if I may. Number one, I want to remind us of certain words that I believe the Holy Spirit left us with this time last year. Second, I want to frame the sense of Selah. And thirdly, I want us to consider yet again the one to whom this is all about. Does that sound okay? Does that sound like a plan? All right, three things I need to put on the table quickly now um, is, all right, the first thing I want us 
I want us to be reminded of something that I believe the Spirit of God um, did with us this time last year. And I really believe that this time last year, the Spirit of God gave us a very, very clear directive, a very clear directive. So if you were at conference, hands up if you were at conference last year, if you might remember this. So we had prepared this um, ending for colour, as we often do. Prepared this beautiful ending. It wasn't just an item or a song, but the intention is that it would create an environment that hopefully God could just seal what He needed to seal. And so we prepare this beautiful song about how God makes beautiful things grow up out of the you know, dust. And if you remember, we had, um, had it in the round. Well, it was sort of in the round here, but down there it was really in the round. And we had these giant poppies, these giant flowers on the stage, do you remember? And then at a certain time in the song, these poppies just like rose up and just emerged, indicative of God you know, making something beautiful out of our lives. And um, we have a psych image of that. If it wants to go up, you can remember. So it was beautiful. And uh, just leave it up there, guys. And, you know, now I was sitting up, um, I was sitting up that way down at the entertainment centre, knowing that all of this was about to happen, knowing that this ending was planned. And that evening, Lisa Bevere was preaching the Word of God. And so I'm watching her, and at a certain point in her message, she put a statistic up, a slide of one of the complexities on the earth. She put the stat up that said 50 million girls missing on the planet, 50 million girls missing on the earth because of abuse, because of um, gendercide, just et cetera, et cetera. Do any of you remember this moment? Amen. And you know, I, I said this at first conference, but I spoke about this at our Hillsong conference, and I'm choosing to speak about it again because I don't feel that we're ready to graduate from it yet. So I'm, Lisa puts this up, and I'm sitting up there, and I'm looking at this, this stage, this beautiful stage, these beautiful images that we've got on the screen, and then like a stark reality, it's such a contrast of reality, goes the statistic, 50 million girls missing on the earth. And it was in that moment I felt, as I looked, I felt like God just spoke to me yet again and showed me that this is what the church of Jesus Christ is gonna look like in the days that are ahead. In a world that is dark and compressing and full of raw, harsh reality such as that statistic, the church of Jesus Christ is gonna be this beautiful, alive, vibrant oasis garden of truth and light and peace and goodness and wonder. In the same way that I was looking at the screens because I had beautiful psych images of beautiful succulent flowers, beautiful succulent gorgeous things and then this raw reality in between. And somewhere in that moment, God just spoke to me about the days that are ahead and what the church of Jesus Christ is gonna look like in these latter days, what the landscape of the church is gonna look like in these latter days. And as I looked, I felt the Spirit of God speak to me and He said, Bobby, at the end of the conference, when you get up to farewell the girls and send them on their way, tell them something. Tell them to go home and flourish. Get up and tell the women to go home and flourish. And that is exactly what I did. I got up and I said, girls, you've been here all week. You've been amazing. You've lent in. Your desire is to be the change and to make a difference on the earth. And some of you are wondering, how on earth are you gonna do that? Spirit of God says, go home and flourish. Go home and flourish and I will take care of the rest. I stood there and I said, go home and flourish in your heart, in your personhood, in your identity. If need be, go home and flourish in your marriage if that's where you need to flourish. Go home and flourish in your parenting, in your relationships, in your church planting, in your community. 
And you know what? As I ponder that, you know what? I feel, girls, that that was the wisdom and the genius of God in that directive. You know, Colour Conference is a humanitarian conference, as you know. It is a humanitarian gathering, actually. And you know, we champion the potential within women to make a difference. We showcase everyday girls like Heather on the screen, just everyday girls out there just being the change. This is who we are. And yet I know, I know that so often the question still remains, how can I change the world? How can I as an everyday girl go home and change the world? How can I go back home? How can I go back to the husband or the kids or the drama or the mess or my little town? How can I honestly go home and make a difference? And again, I really believe that God in His wisdom said to us, babe, just go home and flourish. And if you go home and flourish, I will take care of the rest. Do you know our everyday lives matter to God? Our everyday worlds. God, you know, many times I've read to you from Jeremiah 29, verse 11, the context is that God knows the thoughts and the plans that He has for us. Thoughts for good and not evil to give us a future and a hope. But if you skip a few verses prior to that, you see God's heart for our everyday lives. He says, you know what? It's gonna go on the screens, but it's like He's saying, hey, do you know what? Live life, do life. Build houses, build gardens, have children. May your children have more children. There's a generational um, promise there. God is saying, do all of these things. And then he says, and then following verse, he says, but you know what? Pay attention to the welfare of the place in which you are planted. And if you pray for the peace and the welfare of that place, then do you know what? You will find your own welfare. God wants us to flourish. Where we are planted, where we are sown is critically important to God. And friends, do you know what? As I have um, pondered that over the past 12 months, as I have pondered it, as I have sought by the grace of God to be diligent in our own local sisterhood, and we have camped there, do you know what? I have wondered in some ways if that wasn't like a second God whisper. A second God whisper, tell them. The first one was 17 years ago. Bobby, tell them. Create a conference in Sydney for young women, girded about by older women. Tell them that there's a God in heaven who believes in them. And not only that, a company of others. That was the God whisper. That's what I believe is the God whisper. Fruit bears testimony that it was a God whisper, that it wasn't my imagination because sometimes I think I'd hate to get to heaven and God's go, you know what, um, actually we didn't actually say that, but um, it was very, very good and we chose to go with it anyway because I would find that terribly embarrassing. Hello, praise the Lord. If that happens, we all just look straight ahead and go, mm-hmm, okay. But I feel that you know, it was a God whisper because the fruit bears witness. And you know, to tell women, some of you, 17, 16, 17 years ago, you didn't know that you were valued. It took five years for the penny to drop in some of your lives. Every year we got up here, you are valued, you are beautiful, you are valued, you have potential, God believes in you. Not only that, but we believe in you. And it took five years for the penny to drop. And we're all on a journey and and they're like, that's cool. And you know, we could be so au fait with this God whisper now. Oh yeah, well, so, you know, big deal. God places value upon women, big deal. But we can't become familiar with that. And you know, we could become familiar and then lose it all. And I just feel that God in His grace and wisdom said, you know what? Okay, you get it now. But now you need to go home and you need to really flourish in that because I need you where you're planted. You know, can I remind us girls, 
Again, that God likens our lives to a garden, to a vineyard. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1, it says, My greatly beloved had a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. God's intent for you and I is that we are fruitful. In the message it says, I'll sing a ballad to the one I love, a love ballad about his vineyard. The one I love, Almighty God, had a vineyard, a fine, well-placed vineyard. God's intent for you and I is that we are a well-placed vineyard. God has an intent. He has a plan. He has placed us all in a certain place of planting. It goes on, it says in verse two, and he hoed the soil and he pulled the weeds and he planted the very best vines. He built a lookout, he built a wine press, a vineyard to be proud of. And he looked for a vintage yield of grapes, but for all his pains, he got junk grapes or sour grapes. Verse four, the Spirit of God says, can you think of anything that I could have done to my vineyard that I didn't do? When I expected good grapes, why did I get bitter? Do you know, I believe that God looks at everything from our hearts to the earth as a garden, a vineyard garden. Our heart is a vineyard. Our marriage, if you're blessed to be married, is a vineyard. Our homes are a vineyard. The churches where we are planted are vineyards. Even the cities and the nations, you know, when God looks down upon the earth, it is a vineyard and He looks for a response. He looks for it to yield and to bring forth. You know, I believe that even this colour conference is a vineyard garden. Again, the fruit bears testimony that it is. And I really believe that over time, He looks for us to bring forth in these gardens and to bring forth with maturity. Amen? He looks to us. He says, my beloved had a vineyard, a beautiful vineyard with the intent that it be fruitful. And God says, and I dug the soil and I hoed it, I pulled out the rocks and I tended it. I planted it with the choicest vines. I gave it the best word. I encouraged it, I exhorted it. And then I looked for it to bring forth. And what did it bring forth? It brought forth not a vintage crop, but a sour crop. And God says, what more could I do for my vineyard that I have not done? What more? And I wanna say this with tender loving care and pastoral care, but some of you have sat in this message for way too long. You come in, you sit in it, and yay, praise the Lord that you do. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? God is looking forth, looking looking upon your life for you to bring forth more, to bring forth more maturity. And He's saying, what more could I do? Do you know, personally, I honestly believe that in our city and our nation and the movement, the denomination that we're a part of, we have no excuse. For more than a decade and a half, God has spoken into this vineyard. He has spoken into our lives. A decade and a half, more more than that. He has planted the choicest vine. He has cultivated, He has sown, and He has watered this message of value. And you know, really, I wrote to one of our leaders recently, one of our leaders of our movement, and I said, really, there is no excuse. Every church in our movement should have a very healthy expression to women. It doesn't all have to look the same. You don't have to do it like I do it. But you know what? There should be a healthy expression to the women in our churches and our land because for a decade and a half, we have sat under the sound of a message that ultimately is about local church, that ultimately is about women being um, believed in and spoken over and having their potential drawn to the service so that we can stand with the men 
and be the church that we need to be. So I say that with tender loving care, but I honestly believe it. Do I believe that every seed of calling and destiny has to be sown in good ground? Every seed of calling and destiny has to know the garden that it is sown in. It has to know, it has to fall into a garden, it has to fall into an environment. It has to fall in a, into an environment where it can <coughs> take root and germinate and emerge. It needs to be in an environment that can offer protection when it's a seedling, when it's coming forth. An environment that can tender it and water it an environment that has the right to prune it, to correct it, to prune it in Jesus' name. It needs to be in an environment where it can, it can abide and produce what God intended, where it can grow to maturity so that the original intent of it feeding and sheltering and sustaining you know, others is actually fulfilled. God looks to our lives, girls, that we bring forth a vintage crop. Do you know, in essence, this is a leadership conference, actually. It's a leadership. It's actually a church leadership conference. So imagine with me, imagine if every single church vineyard on the planet, every church, because every church is a vineyard. Hillsong Church is a vineyard. If you're from another church, it's a vineyard, okay? So imagine on the earth, if every single church of vineyard on the earth that ever was. Now I Googled how many churches there are on the earth and Google couldn't tell me. It was in the multiplied millions. In fact, I think the number of denominations on the earth was in the multiplied hundreds of thousands. That staggers me because I'm thinking, hello, I can think of maybe four or, you know, six. <laughs> so imagine if every single church vineyard on the planet was flourishing right now out of control. Flourishing. If every gift and measure, talent within was flourishing. If every one of those was operating in their ordained strength and influence. Imagine that. Imagine if every pastor and leader and shepherd understood how critical the environment that they create is. Imagine if every single believer, every single follower on the earth understood their planting. If they understood their planting, if they honoured their planting, if they gave integrity to their planting, if they valued their planting, if they flourished in their planting. Imagine that, girls, imagine that. Imagine if that was happening on the earth right now. Then do you know what? If that was happening on the earth, multiplied by hundreds of thousands of times, do you know what? The earth would be covered. It would be covered in countless irresistible oasis gardens that God could confidently draw humanity to. And not only that, not only that, the earth would be lit. It would be gloriously lit. We live in a darkening world. Isaiah says, you know, arise, shine, for your light has come. For the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. You know, that is the state of the world out there, outside of Christ. But imagine if every single church, every single planting, every single one of us was actually flourishing and shining, then you know what? The earth would be lit. I'm gonna show you. Two, <laughs> three claps over here, that's amazing. 
<laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I don't need applaud. Trust me. Um, I'm going to show you two images. One image is um, it's going to go on the screen. It's actually a shooting star. All right, so it's, that's a shooting star in the night sky. Amazing, hey? Do you like that? How awesome is that? Has anyone ever seen a shooting star? It's like, whoa! Everyone do that. Whoa! Amazing. Right, awesome. The next image is the Earth, lit. And um, <coughs> again, in darkness, and admittedly, these are city lights. But for the sake of imagination, imagine if this was the church of Jesus Christ on the earth. This was the church of Jesus Christ shining, flourishing, like she's, God intends her to. Imagine that, how, how amazing would that be? How amazing would that be? Do you know, sometimes sadly in life, more people put more value on being a fabulous shooting star in the night sky than they do in being a faithful, grounded, dependable, and findable lighthouse on the ground. I am reminding us of what the Spirit of God said. He said, go home and flourish. You know, a shooting star is amazing. A lot of people just wanna be shooting stars. Woohoo! shooting star. You know what a shooting star actually is? I Googled this also. It is actually exploding matter. It is either exploding or imploding matter. It's not even a star. Here one minute, gone the next. A lighthouse, however, and God calls us a city on a hill. Okay, light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of, light of the world. Not, I mean, Jesus Christ is our light. It's the light of Christ within us. The church of Jesus Christ, imagine. Imagine that. Every one of us in our planting, shining, flourishing as we ought. Then the earth would be lit in the most profound and beautiful way. I was saying to our church the other weekend that... Um, if a literal lighthouse, a literal lighthouse um, that warns and gives light, if a lighthouse is in a town, then most people know that that lighthouse is there. They may not have gone there, they may not have visited, but they know where the lighthouse is. It's the same with our churches. It's the same with our places of planting. And when they need it, they know where to find it. And I want to challenge us to that end tonight. So the question I want to present is, um, are you flourishing? If you were under the sound of the last 16 years, if you've been under the sound of what was last year, how are you doing, baby girl, 12 months on? Are you flourishing? How is the flourish factor in your life? Did you do anything with the Spirit's directive to go home from all the wonder of conference time? Did you do anything and go home and pay attention to the areas where you needed to flourish? And you know what? No condemnation if you didn't because this is the love of God speaking to us yet again. Because big picture, big picture, He just wants us to flourish. He wants us to know the power of our planting. He wants us to flourish in the midst of it in Jesus' Name. The word flourish means to thrive, to be in one's prime, to be at the height of excellence, influence and fame. You know, there's no problem. You know, God doesn't have an issue with fame. In fact, in making Him famous, sometimes some people become famous. But that's a really big difference. You know, making God famous to taking His fame and His glory unto yourself. 
Big difference, okay? So in making God famous, Psalm 145, we shall pour forth the fame of His great name. In making Him famous, sometimes we find fame, but it's not about our fame or our prominence or being on a platform. It's about making His grace and His goodness known in Jesus' name, amen? To flourish in that. It means to be successful, to prosper, to grow luxuriantly, to thrive in growth as a plant. I love this, to decorate or embellish the lines of writings. Flourish means to decorate or embellish the lines of writing. God calls our lives, you know, living epistles seen and read of men. Okay, so you know, God is writing your story and He wants you to flourish. He wants to embellish your life with beautiful things, amen? He wants to doodle out your lives from heaven. Okay, I just threw that in. It also means to sound a trumpet call. I love that. So, you know, first thing tonight, I wanna remind us by the grace of God and I need to hurry. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hmm. Um, Of the words that the Spirit of God left us with last night. Second, I wanna frame Selah, baby Selah. Do you know, I, um, I came into this conference sensing it to be a Selah year. In January with our team, I went, I don't know, I don't fully understand what this means, but I just feel that this year that's gonna be something of a Selah year, a year to pause and to ponder and to consider and to breathe and to refresh if need be and if need be to assess and to take stock and if need be to adjust and correct if that is what needs to happen so that from a place of strength, we can all go forward in greater strength and power and purity. I came into this year feeling that for this gathering, that this gathering, whatever it is you need, is gonna be a bit of a sila year, a sila. Again, so that we can go forward in strength and power and purity. Do you know, God wants us to be vessels of honour. Girlfriends of the earth, <laughs> vessels of honour. This message of womanhood, this message of sisterhood, this message that we carry a value for it to be a vessel of honour, for us to carry it, understand it, walk in it, carry it with honour. All vessels of honour are fired. They are tested and they are tried and they are proven so that any mixture can fall off. And I believe that you know God has raised God has raised up a trumpet call. God has raised up a shout. Okay, you know the the outflow from these gatherings of 16 years. You know it's just like women have gone and and it's amazing and it's awesome. But I feel like God is saying, you know what? Okay, do you know what? Sila, let's take a little stock here. Let's make sure we're going forth in strength, impurity, with no mixture in Jesus' name. I want this message of womanhood in these latter days coming up and out of the church of Jesus Christ, the way that God intended to have, to be a, to be a message of honour and value fired in Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 54 says, enlarge, stretch, lengthen, spare not, strengthen the stakes. And the context of 54, is expansion, it's making desolate places inhabited again, which is our mandate and our passion. It's generational. But you know what it says, strengthen. Strengthen the stakes, strengthen the foundations in Jesus' Name. The word Selah, girls, you wanna take notes on this. It means to lift or heighten the voice. 
Selah literally means to lift or heighten the voice. It means to pause, to pause either after something profound has been said or experienced or before something profound is to be said or experienced. Selah, to lift or heighten the voice. There's a shout. There's a shout, there's a voice rising up out of the church, out of the daughters, the sons and the daughters, but in this context, the daughters of God. There's a shout, there's a voice. And you know what? I believe that God wants to hide in that and purify it and bring clarity to it in Jesus' Name. It's actually a command by a leader to heighten the voice. And of course, the sense of Selah is profound because you know what? Life for all of us, life is a timeline. Life is a timeline for all of us. There is a thus far and a future yet unwritten for all of us. This conference has a timeline, a 16 year timeline in our context and out for such a time as this. 16 years thus far in that thus far, God has done some pretty profound things in our midst. Some pretty beautiful revelations and and things have unfolded and we've understood and we've lent in. The, over the last 16 years, the cry, the cry of the afflicted has been heard, has it not? You know, last week, two weeks ago, the whole world got awakened to Kony in Northern Uganda. And people are like, who is this person? Well, in those 16 years, we've, we awakened to who Kony was and the complexities of Northern Uganda a lot of years ago. God has done some amazing things in our midst. Yes? yes? Totally. But you know what? It's only because there's a greater future yet to be written. And we're gonna pause and we're gonna see Lara and God. I don't fully know what it means, girls. I'm just trying to be obedient. We're gonna see Lara, pause and ponder because what has gone before is profound and amazing God. And it set the captives free. And it's brought great freedom and liberty and God has done amazing things. But you know what? We're not over. We haven't come thus far to get, for it to be foiled, to be sabotaged by complacency or familiarity or mixture because there is a future yet unwritten. And when it comes to your life, your life has a thus far and it has a future yet unwritten. And I really believe that in this conference and in these next few days that God is gonna speak to you and He's gonna, he's gonna calm you if you need to be calmed and He's gonna speak to you and He's gonna help you. Okay, so on a personal note, if you need to be still, then be still. Be still and know that He is God. Psalm 46 says that, be still and know that He is God. If you need to look heavenward for strength, then look heavenward for strength. The Psalmist said, from whence comes my strength? Does it come from the mountains? And then he goes, no, it doesn't come from the mountains. It comes from God, who made heaven and earth and mountains. This amazing God, this amazing God who created you, this guardian God will not fall asleep on your watch. If you need to look heavenward for strength tonight, sweetheart, you look heavenward. If you've gotten confused as to how this all works, then I pray that the simplicity of it all will become clear in Jesus' Name. I pray that it will, the simplicity. Ephesians 2 says, in case you are confused, it says, God is building a home. He's using all of us, irrespective of how we got here and what He's building. 
He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundations. Now He's using you and I, fitting us in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. If you need to breathe and be refreshed this weekend, if you need to be watered, then I pray that the Spirit of God will overshadow you and that you'll draw deep drafts from the Spirit of God, that you'll be refreshed from the wells of salvation that are actually within you. (coughs) You know, if you feel God's hand chastening you or correcting you, then you know what? Allow Him. Allow, Allow Him to do in you what He needs to do. And be mindful that, you know, it is the son or the daughter in whom he delights that he corrects. Do you know you get pruned one way or the other? You get pruned if you bear fruit and you get pruned if you don't. (laughs) Pruned if you do, pruned if you don't. So consider it a compliment. (laughs) Hallelujah, if you're getting pruned. And I don't know what Selah It's gonna mean in your life, but I pray that by the grace of God, we can create an atmosphere and an environment to allow that in Jesus' name. And then the third thing that I want us to consider tonight is that we will not um, forget the one to whom this is all all about. That we will not forget the one to whom this is about. And again, girls, our context, hello. Everyone say hello. hello. Our context is actually the latter days. That is our context. Be it the beginning of the latter days or the end of the latter days, but I think we're in the latter days. Should the bridegroom tarry? You know, people say, well, you know, he said he was coming 2,000 years ago, but it also says, should the bridegroom tarry? And you know, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, in context of this says, I don't think, friends, that I need to deal with the question of when all this is going to happen, happen, the second coming of Christ. You know as well as I that the day of our master's coming can't be posted on calendars. He won't call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would. About the time everybody's walking around complacently congratulating each other, we've sure got it made, now we can take it easy. Suddenly, everything will fall apart. It's going to come as suddenly and inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. But friends, you're not in the dark. But we're not in the dark. This is why we need to understand what a revolution of peace is. We are not in the dark when it comes to what's going on in the world. The economies, the social complexes, we're not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by any of this? You're sons of light and you're daughters of the day. We live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and let's be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we're creatures of day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love and a hope of salvation. It says, it says keep your eyes open. It says, we're sons of light, we're daughters of the day. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love and the hope of salvation. Girlfriends of the earth, None of us really know how much remaining daylight there is. We don't, it just said, this day may come upon you as inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. So it's not doom and gloom, but we've got to walk in a certain manner. We've got to understand the days in which we are living. And again, we don't know how much remaining daylight there is. 
I pray that there's plenty of daylight. Amen, in Jesus' Name. But none of us actually know. And if you look at the world in which we live, it's a very interesting place. The Gospel is being preached in every corner of the earth. Pay attention. And so, you know, when the world cries, peace, peace, which they will, the Bible says that they'll cry, peace, peace, they'll search for peace, they'll cry for peace. Well, I pray in Jesus' Name that they find in us an oasis of peace, that they find within us a revelation of the Son of God, the Prince of Peace in our lives so that we can be calm in the madness, calm in the, in the whatever, in Jesus' Name. I pray that. You know, peace is more than a demonstration, a picket line. It's more than a sign. It's more than a, on a T-shirt. It's more than world leaders can fathom. The peace that passes all understanding is in Christ Jesus. And you and I, I need it. You need it. We need a greater revelation of who this God is in case the drama starts hitting the fan. <laughs> you know, when, um, when the world can't see for the darkness, when they can't see for the darkness enveloping their lives like a blanket, it says in Isaiah, then I pray that they will find enough light in us, enough light. Not a shooting star that zoomed through the night and was gone, but enough light in us, in our planting, in our places of planting, that they will find enough light within us that we can direct them home when their hearts grow cold, because the Bible says the harshness of the times will cause men's hearts to grow cold, then I pray that they will find in us the unconditional and the uncompromised love of God. In Jesus' Name, do you not, is this true? You know, in the latter days, it says that there's gonna be a lot of voices, a lot of voices, run out into the desert, do this, do that. But you know, I really pray that um, what people are gonna see in our lives is a true revelation of the love of God, the light of God, the peace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. I'm gonna ask the team to come and join me, please. Beautiful team. Give them a hand, because they're so faithful. Just poised, ready to come. You know, girls, I pray that in our pursuits of calling and destiny and purpose, I pray that in our pursuits, listen to me, of justice, in our pursuit of justice, in our pursuit of making that which is wrong right again, that we never lose sight of the one to whom this is truly about. Because you know what, right now it's quite fashionable to go and save the world. It's quite fashionable to, uh, to be concerned with the injustices of the earth and rightly so. But I pray that within the Church of Jesus Christ, we never lose sight of the one to whom this is actually about. I pray that we will always be able to point people home. Home. This is what we're about. We're just pointing people. I pray that we can point them home, home to local churches that are gonna welcome and embrace them and be flourishing. Point them home to heaven in Jesus' Name. Amen. I pray that we will always be able to point people to the One who in turn turns around and points to the Father. I pray that in Jesus' Name. Let me just finish with two stories tonight. And again, I'm just opening this conference up and the Spirit of God is gonna take it and weave it beautifully. Do you know, my, my message is actually the whole conference for you. 
With a great team, my message doesn't end just here. It is this conference from start to finish. And I pray by the grace of God, it tells a story and accomplishes what God, what I believe God intended. But you know, like many of you in February, we have what is our Vision Sunday. And um, it's just an opportunity for us to cast vision as a church, as a local church, and um, to showcase what we're really about. And this year we presented a film. We made a film called Home. In essence, just the, 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 the heart of the house, the architecture of home and the architecture of homecoming. And, and so again, Hillsong, we're not just um, in here in Australia, but we have like um, 10 now, I can remember San Angeles can't, 10 international campuses around the world. So one house with many rooms. And so obviously we roll out that Vision Sunday across all those international campuses on the same weekend. And um, they all watched this film as Sunday unfolded around the world. Um, they all watched this film called Home. And uh, I heard that um, in Stockholm, because we have a church in Stockholm, Sweden, that that morning, um, a young girl was thrown out of home by her mother, thrown out into the snow. And it was apparently minus 20 degrees that day. She was cast out, thrown out by her mom. And somehow she found her way to our little church in Stockholm, Sweden. Came in, came in from the cold. She was outside in the freezing cold. Came in, walked in and encountered an entire morning and presentation actually about her homecoming, her spiritual homecoming. That morning, she was welcomed. She um, gave her life to Christ. She found family and they embraced her. And without doubt, ha laboured, have laboured since to reunite her with her family. And that morning as we did um, Vision Sunday here, um, Brian and I spoke onto the link for our churches and he asked me to get up and just say something. And two quotes came to mind. One was this one, which uh, I have to um, try and remember how it goes. It's sort of like, it says, family love is like the wind. Um, um, beautiful, raw, fragile, instinctive, um, at times angry, always unstoppable. It is our collective breath and it is the greatest force on the earth. So I, I share that. And then another one that said, um, without family, man alone in the world trembles in the cold. I don't know that morning if that young girl heard that, but that morning she had been thrown out into the cold. She was literally trembling in the cold. And she came in from the cold and she found a home and a house and a people who embraced her. I am so glad that that morning, that little church in Stockholm, Sweden was flourishing. I'm glad that they were flourishing. I'm glad that they were a lighthouse in the darkness in Jesus' Name. You know what? There are multitudes on the earth tonight shivering in the cold. Multitudes in the valley of decision, the Bible says, but multitudes shivering in the cold. And you know what, church, girlfriends? They need clear signposts home. They need you and I to be planted in our places of planting, strong, flourishing, not perfect, but seeking to grow in God, giving them clear signposts home in Jesus' Name. It's one little story. The second story I wanna share is earlier this year, I read a little book and some of you may have read it also. It was called Heaven Is For Real. And it tells an amazing story of a little guy, a little um, three-year-old at the time who had a burst appendix and ended up in surgery. 
And long story short, he almost came near to death and he had a visitation of heaven, a visitation with Jesus. Have any of you read this, this storybook? Beautiful. And um, in the process, he recovered. And in the process of time, he started to say these crazy things as a three-year-old, a four-year-old, like things that he, he had no concept of. And he began to tell of these encounters, that it, these, these, these things that happened. And, and he you know, began to relate these things and his parents were like, oh my goodness. And they began, it dawned on them that this child had had an encounter with Christ, had had a visitation of heaven. So they began to scribe and to write what he um, had encountered. It's, it's a beautiful little book. You know, this little guy's name's Colton. He's just three, four years of age. Of Jesus, of Jesus, he said that Jesus has beautiful eyes. He said, he's got beautiful eyes, Daddy. He has beautiful eyes. He also said that Jesus has a horse. We love that. <laughs> of course he would have a horse. He's the Son of God, amen. Uh, are there any horse lovers in the room? Yeah, well, you know, when you get to heaven, you can have a ride on Jesus' horse, maybe. I don't know. Um, of heaven, of heaven, this little guy said, oh, the colours are beyond imagination. There are millions of colours that we can't even conceive. Beautiful, amazing. Of a miscarried um, sister, he said, yes, Mummy, you have, um, you have, we have a sister in heaven. So she was at the kitchen table and he pipes up as a three, four-year-old and says, um, so, um, so Mummy, I've got two sisters, haven't I? And she goes, no, darling, you've got one sister, your sister. He goes, no, I've got two sisters. No, darling, you've got one sister. He goes, no, Mummy, I've got two sisters. A baby died in your tummy and she's in heaven and I met her and she's a girl and she kept kissing me. The mother nearly had a heart attack because no way would this child know that she had miscarried a child. And so she sat down and she said, so tell me about this sister. And she said, what's her name? And he said, oh, no, Mummy, she doesn't have a name because you didn't name her. So she's waiting to meet you so that you will name her. Uh-huh. Some of you girls in this room have lost babies. You need to go to heaven with some names. Isn't that beautiful? Um, of age... Apparently there is no age in heaven. Shut up. We like that. We like that. Yeah, no one, he said, no, no, no one's old in heaven. No one's old in heaven. And if you are remotely over 50 or 55 years of age in the room, yes. Hallelujah. So let's just stop having a meltdown about the meltdown and just be content that one day we're gonna get to heaven and be our recognisable selves again. Hallelujah. <laughs> of the crucifixion, his father asked him, he was in the back seat of his car and his father, it was Easter. Easter's coming, friends. Easter's just around the corner. And of the crucifixion, his dad was driving. He said, so Colton, what do you understand of Easter, darling? And he's in the back seat. And what do you understand of the crucifixion? And the little guy thought for a minute and then he went, oh, I don't know, Daddy. Um, I don't really know. All I know is that when I was talking to Jesus, He said um, that He died so that people could see His Father. What more do we need to know? Amazing. 
About the same time that all this was happening, a little um, artist in America was being discovered. Her name was Akiana. And a little girl, <clears throat> atheist parents, homeschooled, no television, no outside influence. When she was about four years of age, she started painting profound pictures of her relationship with God, atheist parents, profound pictures of heaven and her relationship with God. And um, when she was eight years of age, she painted this picture of Christ and she was discovered by Oprah and CNN and the world stumbled across her. And again, when she was eight, she painted this amazing picture of Christ and she actually called this portrait, it's beautiful, she called it Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. She's eight years of age, no formal training, and she painted this image of Christ. I wanna put it on the screen, it's a portrait that she painted. It's beautiful. And it's actually, um, was painted in full colour, but this is just the black and white version. She also, when you, you can go on CNN and Google her and she also says of Christ that His eyes are beautiful. He has the most, she said, He has the most beautiful eyes. And um, so Colton's father, this other little guy, used to play this sort of game with him and say, show him pictures of Jesus in a Bible or in a book or, you know, on a stained glass, you know, church window or whatever and sort of go, so does Jesus look like that? And he'd go, no. And he goes, so does Jesus look like that? And he goes, no. You know, he wasn't prompting him, he was just letting it unfold. He goes, what about that? Does, you know, does Jesus look like that? And he goes, no. Colton's father discovered all the hoo-ha about this little girl, this painting that she'd made. And um, so he pulled it up on his computer and he called his little son down apparently, as the story goes. And he called him and he said, hey Colton, mate, come here, sweetheart, baby, come here. And he goes, so how about this one on the screen? How about this one? And apparently Colton looked in and went, oh, she looked at him up here and went, Yep, that's pretty much what he looks like. And ran off to play. Now, girlfriends, whether or not our Saviour King looks like this um, isn't really the issue. This is just a beautiful painting that a little girl painted. And she called it the Prince of Peace. I'm sure that it is but a shadow. If, if that, it would even if it was remotely like that, if even Jesus remotely looked like that, which I'm, I'm pretty happy, I'm like, it works for me. I'm, I'm like, oh my, oh my gosh, He's beautiful. Of course He would look like that. Why wouldn't He look like that? But if He doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And if He did, it would just be a shadow because how would she even begin to capture the glory and the wonder and the majesty of the Son of God. You know, tonight when we worship, tonight as we launch into this weekend, you know, as we worship God in the days that are in the few days that are ahead, you know, I'm just wanting us to look into His face. I'm wanting us to position Him well. Tonight I wanted to bring three things. I wanted to remind us of what I believe was a directive by the Spirit of God, critical to the big picture. I wanted to say to you, Selah, baby girl, Selah. If you need to rest, breathe, rest and breathe. It's okay, be still and know that He is God. And thirdly, I wanted us to never forget the one to whom this is about, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace. 
He is the Son of God. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the bright and morning star. He is the darling of heaven. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. He is magnificent. He is our Saviour God. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And I pray that we will this weekend enthrone Him for who He is. Amen. Lean in. You might know Him, but you know what? You can know Him more. I know Him. I met Him when I was 15 years of age. I know Him. I love Him. I love Him. Have I ever seen Him face to face? No, I love Him. Have I heard His voice audibly? No, I've heard His voice in my heart. Do I need to hear His voice? No, I love Him. He is my God. Stand to your feet, my darlings. Stand to your feet. We're gonna love our God tonight and this weekend in Jesus' Name. We're gonna lean in. Brooke, Reuben, come, come and just lead us. I'm gonna let the team lead us tonight and in the final moments that we have, let's just put God, let's just position Him where He needs to be positioned, eh? Let's just position Him where He needs to be positioned in Jesus' Name. Beautiful. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.